Welcome to episode 38 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen with host Matt Payne. Hey, this week's guest is Randall J. Hodges. He's a photographer in the Seattle, Washington area, and um, it was a really great conversation. Uh, Randall reached out to me. I guess a bunch of listeners heard him speaking on a Singray Filters uh, event, and they suggested that he reach out to me to to have a conversation, and so so that's what we did. And um, you know, we talked a lot about uh, Randall's style of shooting. He does everything in camera. He doesn't do any post-processing, which I think is pretty unique in, in today's day and age. Um, you know, he, he says he doesn't have anything against post-processing, but it's just the way he likes to do it, and I think he, he has some great results, and so why not? Um, we talked a lot about uh, his gallery and, and the business of photography and how to make that work as a full-time professional. Um, including the art, the art show circuit um, versus owning a gallery. Um, and we talked a little bit about uh, how he uses uh, filters in the field. Um, just a reminder, uh, check out, uh, help, help us out on the Patreon site. Uh, there's some cool rewards for people that support the podcast, and it helps me keep the podcast going. Um, not to be a Debbie Downer, but uh, I lost my job uh, this last week, and so anything is going to be helpful for me right now, so I really appreciate that. Um, and I also wanted to put a plug out there uh, for my friend <clears throat> Jack Brower, who has his own gallery uh, creation software and web hosting uh, services over on Wide Rage Galleries. Take a look at it. He produces all of the... Uh, all of the websites for some of the best photographers in the world, and I think his platform is probably the best there is. Um, if you go ahead and go with him, mention that you uh, heard about it on the podcast. As always, reach out to me on social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever works for you. It's Matt Payne Photo or Matt Payne Photography. Um, I'd love to hear your ideas um, for guests or topics on the show. Um, I do this for the community, so uh, always feel free to reach out. Thanks. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time out of your schedule to come on to the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I have to admit, um, I actually hadn't um, heard of your had heard of your work before, so I appreciate you reaching out. Um, it sounds like um, some people recommended you reach out to me through a class that you were giving or a talk you were giving. Yes, I'm a working pro for Singray Filters. And I did a webinar for them, and uh, a lot of uh, participants enjoyed it. I got a ton of feedback and uh, had a couple of different messages that said that I might be cool to share my style of photography with you over here with what you're doing. Cool. Well, we'll definitely definitely get into that a little bit later. Um, tell me a little bit more about uh, how you got in with Singray Filters. Oh, uh, well, I am, uh, and we'll get into this more, but I am uh, considered an old school, all-in-camera photographer. 
I don't do any post-processing to my work at all. I do all the work in the camera via camera setup beforehand and old school film techniques on a digital camera. In order to do that kind of work, I have to use light balancing filters out in the field, uh, specifically graduated split neutral density filters. Uh-huh. And uh, Singray was my, my favorite. And uh, I think they'd gotten a hold of me or I was recommended to them because I did all the work in the camera. And then uh, they asked, you know, uh, if I'd represent them and, and vice versa and, and said, sure, of course I would. Cause that is what I recommend to my students. Uh, cool. Get out in the field and learn that in camera style. Nice. Okay. Well, we'll definitely talk more about that as well. Um, uh, I was curious, maybe just before we, dove really deep into that topic if you'd be willing to tell us a little bit about yourself like um oh, just sure. generally like who, who you are where you live um and like maybe talk a little bit about how you got into uh landscape photography oh you betcha yes i live in muckleteal washington and i own a gallery in downtown edmonds washington which is about 20 uh minutes north of seattle okay uh, i've been a full-time uh working professional for the last 18 years um, you may not have heard of me because I don't have the monstrous followers on uh, social media. I'm kind of a more uh, ground roots, old school guy um, and got into photography because I'm a big hiker and I love to hike. And uh, way back when I used to be a chef and didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I wanted to figure out how to make a living off of hiking and photography. Uh, Of course, when I got started, uh, there was no post-processing. I was shooting everything on 35-millimeter slide film. And at that time, we just sent slides directly to the publisher. Uh, So photography was quite a bit of a different world at that time. There was a lot less of really high-quality photographers out there at that time. And, of course, with the advent of digital and post-processing, it's a whole new world out there and there's a million billion photographers. Um, But before digital even came along, I'd gone to uh, be a full-time professional. Uh, By that point, I think I'd had about 500 images published, written a few dozen articles, had a few covers. Uh, I was out doing the art show circuit, selling my work and teaching uh, film style photography. And as digital came along, um, I was kind of old school and a little hard headed, didn't want to switch, uh, <laughs> kind of stuck with slide film, uh, for the first four years into digital. As a matter of fact, all my classes were now digital and I'm the only guy shooting film. And by then I kind of became known as the not digitally altered guy because I was actually still shooting film. And I want to clear up before we go any farther with that, that I have nothing wrong with post-processing. I'm not against it. Uh, most of my buddies and friends do it, and all the the pros out there that I know, they do it. It is the mainstream. This is just my way of being different, so I'm not a hater. Don't want anybody saying <laughs> that. Uh, but to continue, um, as my career went on and, and grew, uh, I wanted to get out of the art show circuit. So uh, a little over four years ago, Uh, I opened my own gallery um, that we're actually I'm standing in while we do this podcast now. Um, And now um, I've been published somewhere around 4,500 times worldwide. I work with uh, stock agencies like Getty and Corbis, Superstock, 
and I work directly with about 400 publishers. And that's one big side of my business. And then, of course, uh, selling uh, my work directly to customers in my gallery and off my website is another big part of my business. And then another big part of my business, like a lot of uh, guys these days, is I teach out in the field lessons and seminars all over the Western U.S. And uh, I just teach in a different way. If you want to come out and take one of my classes, we're going to do all the work in the camera and we're going to set up things and run it a little different. And it's all hands on out in the field and we won't do any classroom um, post-processing time. And uh, got a few. Oh, go ahead. So I'm curious a little bit about, um, well, there's a lot of questions I have, but my first question that popped into my mind was uh, around the art show circuit. Cause I know a lot of, a lot of people still do that. And I think a lot of people still make a good living off of that, but um, and it, I think you just said, you, you don't, you don't do that anymore cause you're running your own gallery. But what if, what, what is that lifestyle like for a, for a photographer? Cause I've never done that before. So, well, I will just tell you this. It's, it is a, a whole lot of work. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people, um, you know, like to romanticize photography and sure. I mean, I'm doing a job I love. I'll be the first one to do that, but I'll also give you a little dose of realism. When I was doing the art show circuit, I did 26 shows a year that averaged three or four or five day commitment for each show. So really that's, you know, half of all your weekends are gone because you're doing art shows. Sure. Um, you got to put five hours into a good setup for an art show, four hours into takedown. And a lot of times the art shows run mostly in the summer. So you go home or back to your shop. You got three days to reproduce all your work, get it back in the rig, get it back to another show, back to set up. So during busy art show time, you might push 70-hour weeks pretty easily. Um, but it is a way to get your work out to the public. Um, and, of course, when I started this, there wasn't social media. So it's not like I could push my work out via Facebook or Instagram or all those things. So actually getting your work in front of people besides publications, this was kind of the main way to do it. And the art shows treated me well for a long time. I did them for 14 years. Um, and... I collected a newsletter that whole time, so I was able to get a big base of followers that actually collect my work um, and not just view it. And But there was a time when uh, I wanted to be home a little bit more. Uh, I got married during that, and that was a lot of travel time besides going out and getting images <laughs> and teaching. Uh, yeah. So, And the, the dream was always to open my own gallery. So uh, just uh, four years ago, we did that. So now I can uh, work in the gallery during the day, produce the work during the day, do all the other publication work during the day at the gallery, but actually go home, see my wife. And I also have a dog who couldn't go to the art shows with me, and I miss my dog a lot. And and now my dog uh, comes to work, and she's laying at the front door in the gallery right now. Nice. So uh, talk to us a little bit about um, owning your own gallery, because... I think you talked about romanticization. I think a lot of people romanticize the idea of having their own gallery. And I've seen a lot of galleries come and go in my time. And so I'm curious uh, what you view as how, how to keep those sustainable and how does that working out for you? Uh, it's working out really good for me. Um, if I'm being totally honest, had I not spent the 14 years pounding the pavement, 
and getting actual, you know, a fan base of collectors, uh, I think it'd be a pretty tough go. Um, like you, I see a lot of shops come and go, not just photography, but other types of art, other types of uh, merchandise. Uh, it's, you know, in, a, in an internet driven world, it's, it's probably a little bit tougher of a gig. I would say picking a good location, having a good business model um, would be a great way to start uh, and doing a lot of research. I actually researched gallery locations for five years before I opened a gallery. Uh, but yeah, I, I would agree. I would say, uh, you know, probably one out of every 20 guys or 25 guys who opens a gallery makes it. That's probably yeah. being more <laughs> real. That's some awesome odds. <laughs> yeah, that's probably being realistic there. But, you know, if you these days, if you've got a good name for yourself, you pick, pick a good location, you stand a good chance uh, out there. But then there's that other little hiccup, which is uh, there. there's a, a penny or two you're going to put into a startup cost in a good gallery. Yeah, no doubt. And some people may not fully grasp that you're going to be into that a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars to be really successful at it, um, and of course, there's no rule in photography or no right way. So some some people in certain towns can probably open up a small shop uh, and well under that and do fine. And I'm sure that there's plenty of who invested quite a bit more than that to get to where they want it to be. So yeah, yeah. Well, it, it just seems like a a really interesting business model because. Um, I guess I just don't see a lot of people buying prints anymore, but I know people are. So it's 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 just interesting that I'm I'm glad that people are able to do it successfully because I think it's important to for the craft of landscape photography that people have a appreciation for it and buy it. <laughs> oh, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, there still is a small market that wouldn't believe photography can be or is art but there is a large market out there that does believe that sure. um and one of and, and no offense to all the other millions and billions of photographers out there but that is actually one of the problems in landscape photography is the market is saturated oh for sure i mean and, and anybody on social media knows that uh thousands of great, great photographers producing great images out there in all forms of technique from like me all in camera to, oh my gosh, I spent 60 hours in Photoshop on that. Um, all producing fantastic uh, work. Uh, but there's only so many people who want to buy photography. So how do you get in there and actually sell some of it? And, uh, I would say uh, a great thing to do uh, I wouldn't necessarily say you need to go to college for photography, but you might, you might take some, <laughs> you know, might take some classes in business and, right. and learn how to run it. Luckily, I was very adept at running restaurants. Uh -huh. uh, it's not the same thing, but when you understand labor cost, product cost, overhead, and all that, that really will help you out. Oh, no doubt about it. So, talk to us a little bit about um, your your style of shooting because. Um, um, when you first reached out to me, I took a look at your work and I, and I was actually um, surprised when you told me that, that, that you were doing all of your, all of your work in camera because you have a lot of um, 
I mean, it's some of your shots. Uh, don't take this wrong way, but like they have a lot of like it's uh, easy to tell that you had like a graded graduated filter on that was maybe a different color, things like that. Stuff that I do in Lightroom. So, um, well, I was surprised uh, by that. So, talk yeah. talk to us about it. Well, first of all, I get it all the time. I'm constantly explaining to people that, no, I did not Photoshop this. Uh, and again, <laughs> there is nothing wrong with post-processing and Photoshop. Um, I don't use any color filters at all. But yes, you will see uh, split neutral density filters sometimes when I can't disappear the line. You'll see those in, in my photos. Um, one thing people don't really know about their cameras, and uh, maybe you'll be one of the first. Who knows? <laughs> um, digital cameras come out of the box pushing 10 to 20% of the po potential color. Now, in the world of photography today uh, with post-processing, most photographers want it set to neutral. I mean, they don't want any it picking up really any color. Uh, they're really looking for dynamic range, composition, you know, shutter speed, stuff like that, but not white balance and color in the camera. And all of my photos start from in-camera setup. And uh, I figured out a way to get the camera, the digital camera, to actually mimic my old film palettes. I shot Kodak, Ektachrome, Elite Chrome, Kodachrome a lot. And I've gotten my digital cameras to mimic those old film palettes. Um, just like I love black and white photography, but I actually do that in the camera. So I set up a monochrome, what I call digital roll of film, high contrast, because I always shot high contrast black and white. Old school black and white days, I always held a red filter over the lens, which would add a lot of uh, extra detail in the shadows and, and gray areas. And in a digital camera, you can literally just put a red filter on. So I can really just mimic that old school black and white. Same with the color roll. So first thing I got to do is set up the color palette of the camera. Um, and then I control the white balance in the camera. On any given photo shoot, I, my white balance could be between three and 9,000. Sure. It's all over the place, depending on, on what I'm shooting. And, you know, most guys in post will kind of assign that later, which is a great tool to be able to, to get that nailed down. I mean, honestly, what I do has some shortcomings. There's no doubt about it. I have dark areas in my photos. Um, I can't brighten up my highlights or uh, darken down my highlights or brighten up my shadows. I can't, you know, I don't do any masking. There's no uh, HDR or blends or any of that really great stuff people are doing these days to come up with their work. Um, but one thing a lot of people have forgotten about that a guy like me made a living off of photography before post-processing was invented. And I literally sent very colorful slides right to the publisher. So, and I'm, um, so are you, you're not shooting raw at all. You're shooting full on JPEGs, setting your white balance and, and all of that and your uh, color profile and, and just depending on the use of filters and, and things like that to bring out, um, the colors that you want to accentuate. Is that, am I basically getting that right? Ah, uh, you're getting close there. Um, the fil filters I use are a circular polarizer during the day sure. and splits for, to balance light. Um, but I don't use any colored filters, but I do shoot in raw. This is a little bit of a misnomer about uh, photography these days that I, I'll spend lots of time telling people, but when I show them, they get it. Um, you can do all this in-camera work to a raw file, no problem. You just cannot open that raw file in Photoshop, Lightroom, or any other post-processing 
processing program except for the, that, the ones that came with the camera. So every camera has its own suite of tools. For Canon, that's Digital Photo Professional. I'm a Canon guy, so DPP is what I use. I have to open that RAW file in DPP and convert it to another file type to capture all of my in-camera work. So I shoot a Canon 5D Mark III and a Canon 5D SR. Those are the two cameras that match the color palette I like. I do all that in-camera work, set up the color palettes, do the white balance, light balancing filters, old school film techniques. And then I have to open that raw file in DPP and I convert and save it to a TIFF. Okay. Now, if I was a post-process guy, I would pull that TIFF over uh, to touch it up if I wanted to do that. But a TIFF is my print file in my gallery. Um, and my process is really simple. It makes some people crazy. I do open it up in Photoshop and de-dust it in case I have sensor spots. And then I copyright it, keyword it, title it, and write a description, and then I'm done. So I'm about 60 to 120 seconds into each one of my images in my workflow. Sure. Well, that's, that's nice. Because <laughs> uh, I have some photos that I probably spent shit man like hours and hours on (laughs) oh and there's nothing wrong with that i mean a lot of guys are out there they almost enjoy that part as much or more than the shooting part yeah i'm i'm depending on the depending on what it is i probably fall into that camp to some degree although processing can get tedious for sure (laughs) oh well You know, there's nothing wrong with that processing, but a lot of people find it really hard to believe when I spit out a number like I've been published 4,500 times worldwide. One of the reasons I'm able to get published so much is I don't process my images, not in the fact that they can't be published if they're processed, but just from a time factor. Sure. Uh, Every year I send my publishers about 2,000 publishable images. And even if I post-processed each one of those for just one hour, that is physically more time than there is in a year. <laughs> yeah, so, really. Uh, uh, so tell me, a part of my uh, part of my secret is simply volume. Yeah, I shoot a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you do have a lot of sh- like that's well my my problem is that I don't have the I mean I have a full time job so like you know getting out and shooting that much is literally not possible, but. Um, so I'm curious a little bit about, um, submitting images to publisher publishers, because I don't think a lot of people do that. Um, no, unfortunately with the digital age, publication age has gone downhill pretty rapidly. And to be quite honest for most people, I'm not even sure it'd it'd be worth the effort it would take to get published. Um, and I'm, this is a question I get it's a great question. I get asked all the time, how do you get published? And in this day and age, I would say the very best thing you could do as a starting out amateur photographer is to just enter photo contests. And when you can start placing and winning, then you know, your images are getting up to that level that it takes. And then if you get, you know, generally, if you, if you place or win, you might get in a publication and then that goes on your resume. And the goal, just like a job, is to build up a resume. And unfortunately, it's kind of like, well, I can't get the job without experience, but how am I going to get experience without the job? Um, So the photo contests are a good way to get in there. And then if you can get, you know, 10 or 20 things on your resume, publishers are much more apt to take a deeper look at your work. 
So that would be uh, one one trick. I'm very fortunate. I got into this before digital, and most of my publishers have stayed uh, very loyal to Interesting. me. Interesting. And they, they they expect work from me every year. And now that I, it, we've gotten so far into the post-processing area, now that I write articles from a different standpoint, people are, again, reaching out saying, hey, we want to hear more about your style of photography because everybody's writing about their post-processing techniques. Um, so it just gives me a little, again, trying to be different and find my own niche. It just gives me a little different thing to speak to. Um, you know, if you put me on the spot to talk about post-processing, I, I would bomb. <laughs> well, me too. Not really, but I know what you mean. I know there's <laughs> countless people that are much better at post-processing than I am. But uh, um, no, I think that's, I think what you're saying, it has a lot of merit. I mean, I think however you can differentiate yourself as a as an artist or as a photographer the better off you're going to be because this day and age there's a thousand billion people that that are just as good or better than you not you but i mean in general like all of us like there's so much raw talent out there now that 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 i think that the secret to success is to find a way to make yourself stand out in some way Oh, yeah. And a lot of guys who love landscapes have learned to make a living shooting oh, something for else. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, there's there's a lot of different ways to make a living with a camera from product shooting to portrait shooting to wedding shooting, uh, architectural shooting that that is much easier to make a living at than landscape photography. Um, but some, you know, if you're like me, it's just what I love. Um, and that's not to say I don't, you know, I fit two weddings in a year and I allow for local portraits from time to time when I'm not busy. But last year I was actually out in the field shooting for 151 days, you know, almost going on half a year. And that's part of the secret to my publication is I shoot a lot. I just spent uh, four days out in Olympic National Park. Um, I imagine out of the 200 images I brought back that 100 of them are going to go right to the publishers. So that's just four days of work. And I imagine in two or three years, those images will come back to me and, and make me a little bit of money. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the one thing that I wish I had more of and that is time. I mean, most, most of my time is, you know, I have a full-time job and I'm raising, I have a 10 year old son and I'm married and I'm also doing this podcast and I like to climb mountains too. So like finding the time to, to actually get out and just dedicate the time to shooting is, is definitely challenging for sure. Oh, and you, boy, you, you, you for, certainly aren't alone. And, and I think a, a lot of people who are big time social media would be surprised how many of the photographers they're liking and following are not. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, it's it's a hard racket to get into there's just no lying about that it just i'm in a you know i'm grateful every day i'm doing something i know a thousand guys would step up behind me and want to do as a full-time job um but i think so, some photographers are relentless i'm i'm definitely a self-motivated starter and uh, relentless and i've i've definitely worked my butt off to 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 get there um but you're right there's just a thousand talented photographers and by no means do I think I'm the best photographer. There's a, a million guys better than me, but I would say I would be as good as anybody probably on the planet in the camera. Um, if we just had to go out in the field and the only judge was the back of the camera, I'd feel confident standing up with anybody. I certainly wouldn't say I'm the best, uh, but I could stand in, in a room with, with any of those guys. But on the other hand, 
you put me in a room full of people uh, like Mark Adamus, uh, nope, not going to be able to compete on that <laughs> that type of post processing. Yeah, well, he, <laughs> um, he's from what I understand, he's 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 kind of a savant when it comes to post processing for sure. Oh, he probably takes it to levels that are beyond what I call photography, but. I can't knock when I look at his work. I go, wow, damn, yeah, look at no that. Doubt. I, think most people do. I mean, that's why he demands um, like five or six thousand dollars per workshop. Yeah, or more. Um, you bet. So I know one of the things that um, that that you do is um, you do a little bit of touring or um, to promote your book. So I was curious about. Tell me a little bit about your book. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, my book's called Images of the West, uh, Hiking Photographers' Journeys Around the Western United States and Canada. Um, and it's 20 years of my photography. It's got quite a bit of actual film stuff in there, too, and, and digital stuff. And it is just broken up in my favorite regions around the West, uh, mountains and lakes, uh, fall color, beaches, uh, winter, um, flowers, and desert southwest, stuff like that. And I, I do some book talks uh, regionally and promote the book. I decided not to do go mass uh, sales on it, so you won't find me in Amazon or anything. I've always wanted to keep my work affordable. It's uh, one of my niches. I think everybody should be able to afford photography. So it's a 208-page full-color coffee table book, and I was able to keep the price down to $39.95 for it. Uh, unfortunately, if you wanted to go... Uh, with the big boys, Amazon and Barnes and Noble, that means the the photographer me would get about a buck <laughs> seventy five a book, and I put <laughs> I put way too much work into yeah. it for that. So uh, you can you know get on the website, give me a call, give me an email, uh, hit me up a message on Facebook, and I'll I'll get a book out to you or stop on in the gallery. That's cool. I've uh, when I first started, um, I was encouraged to create like a little coffee book and. Um, I had only been doing photography for a year and a half or something. I I put together a little like forty page book that was just on Colorado and all the hikes and mountain climbs I did here in Colorado. And the finished product is pretty. It's still pretty cool. I still look at it and it's still neat. I, I I'm I kind of want to put one out like maybe in five or ten years again. Like now that I've got more images and by then I'll have a lot more images. But I think putting together something like that, that showcases all of your best work is definitely a, a worthwhile project. I think even if you don't do it to make money. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's one thing to post something up on uh, Facebook and it's around for a week or so and gone forever. Um, but you know, having somebody that wants to buy your print and put it in their house or buy your book and set it on their coffee table is, is a real, uh, testament not only to the work and the art but it's just it's an honor so i would highly recommend it uh you know when i went to making this book i have uh in my working stockpile i have seventy five thousand images it was a bit of a <laughs> a task just to i bet man because uh i mean my lightroom gallery my lightroom library is probably got 30 or forty thousand. but that i'm sure you've you've been doing this for a lot longer than i have probably five times as long as i have so I'm sure you've got a crazy, insane amount of photos. Well, I've um, 
I've learned to cut back on, on what I keep, which which helps a lot. I, I mean, really, if it's not publishable, I don't keep it anymore. And so when I say I can get two or 3,000 images out to my publishers in a year, that's actually probably out of fifteen or 20,000 clicks. Um, maybe a little more on the clicks there. I do run, run the numbers up on the cameras <laughs> a bit. But uh, I think, uh, you know, I'm old school everything so i actually you'll see me out there in the field deleting images off the camera and not even bringing them home because it is easy to get overwhelmed with with images <laughs> for sure it's funny um i did a uh i did a photo trip back in may with some friend of mine to hunts mesa in monument valley and one of the guys that went with us he's a great guy he's he's also kind of an old school guy but uh man he he's like everywhere we went, like he was constantly like pressing the shutter. Like it was, it was funny. And like my other friend who was with me, he's, he's the kind of guy that like he'll set up and spend like 15 minutes on a composition before he'll even press the shutter button. And he'll maybe press it four times and come home with like, you know, like 60 photos total over like the course of three days. Like, it's just funny how people's styles are so different. Oh, you are not lying there. I, I recently had my work reviewed by a, another professional out there. I won't, I won't name, um, uh, but I will just say was a, a heavy post processor. Nothing wrong with that. And that person's goal was only to put out ten images in a year. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm like, shoot, I did that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, uh, to me, I found that uh, mind boggling, but it is how some people out there operate uh, with their photography. And I think some, some people will think somebody's a full-time professional photographer, but uh, upon a, a little closer inspect, they might be professional teachers and promoters of themselves. I, I do think you have to get out and take pictures to be a photographer, but maybe I'm just too old school. Um, uh, you know, there's, you know, one of the guys that here in Seattle that uh, when I was just getting started, I looked up to was Art Wolf. Sure, sure. And, you know, he was traveling the world and he shoots a lot of photographs. I mean, he's actually a photographer. He's out there. Every time he comes back, I, uh, you know, I used to watch all the stuff go out to publication, see what gets published. Uh, and he shot a lot of work. Uh, I still kind of come from that kind of old school feel for photography i i enjoy doing it and that's one of the reasons i'm not a post-processor not that there's anything wrong with it i mean i'm standing in my gallery looking at an image right now i'm like oh man if i had to just shot one exposure five stops brighter blending those two together wow that would have been amazing <laughs> um, right yeah it's hard to do that if you don't if you don't have that approach and i, I think it's interesting too because um um i think at least for myself, and I know for other people that do a lot more post-processing, it definitely changes um, your approach in the field in terms of um, your vision because um, the vision that you have for the final image is almost always way different than what is in camera because often... Oh, yes. Yeah, and, and I there's something about that... Um, that I don't even know how to describe it, but like having that 
vision of what the final image will look like, but not being able to see it until you can put it all together is, is pretty fun for me anyway. Like it's, Oh yeah. Yeah. I was out with another buddy. He's, he's telling me the same thing, you know, that, that, that vision is what really gets him charged up, um, is, is trying to relay what he's seeing. He's going to see down the road. Um, and for me, my brain just doesn't work that way. I'm right there in the spot. How do I get what I'm seeing right now? And it is a totally different approach. And both approaches are absolutely fantastic. I, I have a, a, a definite rule in photography. There is no rule in photography. Yeah, right. that's, that's the only definite rule. But I also have a saying that there's no right or wrong way in photography. There's only your way. And if your way is making you happy, then you're doing it right. No, I think that's super good advice. I mean, it, it drives me crazy. Um, I think it's just the way that we're we're built as humans and how our egos operate. But there are a lot of photographers out there that spend an awful lot of time caring about what other people are doing. And it's like you're, people are wasting so much of their energy and so much of their potential on caring about what other people do. Like, like I bet there's people listening right now that are like, uh, uh, that Randall Hodges, like that's silly that he would not do any post-processing. Like why, like, why do you care? Like the guy's having fun. He's obviously successful. He's probably more successful than 85 to 90% of the photographers listening. So who cares? (laughs) You know, it's exactly right. And and I've tried to team up with a couple of photographers to also get people from hating. People are all about hating on the internet. If you don't like something, just don't comment. Go find something you like. Um, My photography style is certainly not for everybody. Um, And other people's photography styles are certainly not for me. And there's nothing wrong with that because it's all part of the art. Uh, We wouldn't we wouldn't go if we were painters and judge each other in the same way. Oh, this guy's doing watercolors. He's terrible. I do oils. I'm, I'm the shit. We wouldn't go do that. It would be art either way. And we shouldn't do it with photography either. Um, It's one person's vision, one person's technique. And it is too bad. There are, you know, and Instagram and Facebook are kind of responsible that put up one great image 400 photographers go to shoot that exact same thing and yeah there's a little loss of a vision right there i mean great that's a great location but maybe you can go see something different or find something different or do something different but no they just line right up yeah no i mean that's definitely something we talk a lot about on the podcast um i personally um i try really hard to avoid locations that have people lined up to shoot them. In fact, um, there's been several times where I'll show up to a location and if there's other people there, I just go somewhere else because it, I, there's just something about it that that's really leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And I don't know why. Um, and I think for me, it's, uh, first of all, I want to have the challenge of, finding a composition that speaks to me that I didn't just copy from someone else. And then second of all, I really want to, um, there's something about that experience of being, um, alone or with a very small amount of people in the wilderness and experiencing something that 
that's, I don't know, it's almost primordial. Like it's, um, and then being able to capture it with your camera is just like icing on the cake, you know, but when you're surrounded by people, like that feeling goes away. Oh yeah. I call it, uh, sounds of the wilderness or lack thereof. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, I, I am definitely guilty of shooting standard locations, uh, as a businessman, it's not that I go to copy somebody sure. else. It's just that, you know, I'm in Seattle. I'm going to go to Cary Park and shoot a picture of Seattle. It, it'd be crazy if I didn't. I am going to try to do it. I'm going to do it my style, try to have my own look to it, my own thing. But, you know, any photographer who's been in Seattle probably went to Cary Park, shot a picture of Seattle with Mount Rainier in the background. But part of my niche is... I'm a hiker and I'll just out hike everybody else. And some of my most spectacular images are on hikes that 99% of photographers just wouldn't do or couldn't do. And that's really where most of my work comes from. Cause I love to hike. Uh, this, this year I did a trip with one buddy. We went deep into the North Cascades. It took two and a half days just to get to the location. And it was 23 and a half miles from the car when I shot my favorite shot. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty much the same way. I don't know if you take a look at some of my stuff um, from Colorado anyway, like most of it's from like pretty hard to reach locations that uh, similar to you, like there's people, most people aren't going to take the time to do that because um, well, that's, that's not why they're out taking photos that it, for me, it's like a whole other layer of, um, of excitement and complexity that I think adds to the, I don't know, the final product. Like it's, you know, I used to live in Portland, Oregon and, you know, I, when I lived there, I went to Piddock mansion probably 10 or 15 times to catch photos of sunrise, uh, over Mount hood. Um, but, but sure in the end, like those images never really spoke to me that much. Um, but when I look at, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I moved back to Colorado. Like the images that I get in Colorado just speak to me more. Like they're more personal. Um, I don't even care if other people like them or not. Like I like them and that's why I'm shooting them. And if other people like them too, that's cool. But if not, well, don't care. I think, Yep. And I think that's a, a great way to live by. Um, we have a, a, a few photographers up here. I, I'll try to leave it very, very generic. But uh, one, one of their secrets is just to go to where everybody else is shot and shoot it again and post-process it better. That's the business model. And that is just fine. Uh, that person's having success at that. For me, I'd have no personal enjoyment over that. And I got into this because I love hiking. And so even when I do a shoot that doesn't require a lot of hiking, right after I'm done shooting it, I'll turn on my headlamp and take off and go put in five or six miles. And maybe on that hike, I'm out in the middle of nowhere and I shoot this amazing star photo or something. A uh, lot, of, lot of great work comes from, I think, being away and, and just seeing and feeling something different. And I think a lot of what people miss in photography is that spiritual connection to their right. subject. I think just copying somebody else, you're copying their spiritual connection and trying to imitate or duplicate. And and I think part of the magic, part of pe- people uh, might be getting too spiritual, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, I think a big part of my success is I absolutely love what I do. 
And I really don't care if anybody else likes it. I hope so. I hope to keep making a living at it. But really, it's got to be you and your vision, your dream, and you got to be happy with it. Because if you're not, the magic just isn't there. I mean, there's some magic in that. Uh, Just like a savant that sits down to piano can play any song he hears and never had training. There's magic in that. And I think for some photographers, they just kind of possess that magic, just like any other art. Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. Well, I'm going to switch topics here. Um, I do uh, have um, a couple more questions. Uh, Oh, please. Yeah. One of the questions that I try to ask every guest is um, based on the the title of my podcast, which is F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen, what uh, what advice do you have for other landscape photographers, um, to uh, to maximize their success or to to get more out of the craft of landscape photography? Mm, I think we were just tapping on what I would consider uh, the most important is to be yourself. Don't try to do what other people are doing. Be unique, and then if you're trying to make a living at it, find your own niche not only in your photography, but in your business model. Um, a lot of people, uh, part of my niche, uh, one, I'm an all-in-camera shooter. So in the social media world, I'm shunned. That's okay. Those likes don't pay my bills. So that's, I don't have an ego where I need uh, 500,000 people saying that's the best <laughs> photograph ever. Um, but part of my business model was I... I think everybody should be able to afford art. So I actually, in my gallery, whenever I can, I manufacture my own work. I have all the printers and production right in the back of the house. And I try and I sell, I pass those savings on to my customers. Um, you know, there's a guy like Peter Lick can put a million dollars on his photo and sell it. That's great. There's a market for that. Uh, that same photo you can come buy in my gallery for 900 right. bucks. I was going to say like, um, well, I think most people agree that uh, for the most part, there's nothing magical about Peter Lick's work. It's his marketing techniques that are awesome. Yep, and he's good at it and good for him. Um, you know, every successful photographer's got their way of getting to that success. And and I would say the, the worst thing you could do is just try to copy somebody else. It is part of the world. I, I've got a bunch of copycats out there doing shows right now um, whose booth looks just like mine. <laughs> it's just that's just part of it. Um, but that that's not going to fill your uh, your spirit. And it's probably not going to get you great sales because part of what you market when you market photography is you market yourself. Um, you are the artist, just like if you're the painter, you're attached to that painting, you're attached to your photograph. So uh, if you met me in person, I'm kind of an odd duck anyway, and, and I match my, the way my gallery looks, I match my photography, and everything I do, I try to do completely different than anybody else. Um, and that's, that would be the number one advice I, I would get. And then the other part of the advice, if you want to run a business, take some business classes. Uh, make sure you, you actually know how to run a business successfully and what it takes to make it yes. happen. It's funny. And what? Um, it, oh, go ahead. I, I feel like there's a lot of photographers out there that have absolutely no business sense whatsoever. That, interestingly enough, have found pretty good success. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I I can tell you this from my experience. 
uh, if I could rewind the clock, I would be the first guy on Instagram. I would be the first guy on Facebook. I'd be the first guy on Google+. I'd be the first guy on Twitter. But I'm just too old school to get that kind of brain thinking going. And a lot of guys who were the first on there have found a way yeah, to make a living just from that. And I say, yeah, I say good for them. They found their niche and their way to do it. Now it's too late for that. <laughs> if you're a new guy coming up and throwing your work up on there, it, you're, you're going to struggle. Uh, but there are other niches and other ways. And I would also say if you're really, really into landscapes, but you really don't like your regular day job, don't be afraid to do another style of photography to make a living. You still can get started making a living off your camera without shooting landscapes. Uh, if you have any other talents for, like I said before, product shooting, uh, portraits, weddings, architecture, anything else, you might be able to actually go get a physical job off your camera and then be able to grow your landscape business on the side. Uh, one of the things I did that really helped me before I went full-time is I bought all the equipment I needed in advance and I stashed a whole buttload of cash and saved a whole bunch of money for a couple of lean years out there because more, like, more than likely you're going to experience them. When I first really got into photography back in – uh, 2012, and I when I I got a full frame, you know, I got a D8 Nikon D800, and um, of course, you know, I had like ten thousand dollars worth of gear, and needed to pay for it. <laughs> so um, I took like a eighty dollar uh, studio lighting class, um, where I learned basically how to use off camera flash, and then uh, and then I. Uh, Learned, you know, and also like they taught some posing techniques. And then uh, I put like a $50 ad in one of the local high school yearbooks for the next year's senior portraits. And like within a year, I'd paid off all my gear, like just doing like just little side senior portrait or family shoots. Um, I'd only probably only did like 10 or 15 of them. It wasn't, it, it didn't really take me that long. You see, great. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Don't be afraid to do what it takes. Uh, you got to have the passion. If you have the passion, yeah, then you I didn't, just have to find a way to it. I didn't have the passion as much as uh, the need to pay off my camera gear, but it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's still passion Absolutely. to be out of debt. There's nothing wrong so, with that. Okay. So I'm curious, um, have it, since you've been in the game for a while, um, who is it that you think would be interesting to have on the podcast? Oh, man. Probably all the guys you've already had on, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Uh, uh, well, if you haven't had Art Wolf, I would say reach out. Maybe you get lucky. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, just because he's one of the older school guys who's who's been doing it ever since I wanted to be doing it. Um, and you know, there's a whole school of people that think this way about his work or think that way about his work, but he had a good business model and he's spent a career, a lifetime off photography. So certainly him, but I, I think some of the guys that, uh, that I kind of like, you've probably had on Gary Randall. Yeah. Well, actually, um, funny you mentioned, I just had Gary Randall on last week, but it hasn't gone up yet. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't uh, reached out to Kevin McNeil, 
he's a good guy. I like Kevin. Yeah, um, I'm, I've been meeting too. Um, he's a great guy, and I know uh, Gary recommended him. Aaron Babnick recommended him. Um, he's part of that Photo Cascadia team. I definitely want to reach out to him. Yeah, and uh, you know, of course, anybody from Photo Cascadia would be a great fit. I'm sure. Yep. Yeah, I had um, I had Sean Bagshaw on already. Yeah, those guys all do great work. They're all good people, and uh, so no no problems there. Well, cool, man. Well, thanks so much for um, for coming on the podcast. It's been really cool talking to you. I think um, you know it's funny you you, you talked about how um, people might not be interested on social media about your all in camera style, but I think you'd be surprised because I think there's a lot that heavy post-processor type people could still learn from a lot of those techniques because I mean, honestly um, you can, it can save you a lot of work in post if you do it right in camera. Oh, for sure. And uh, I do, I do get, I'm not going to say I've turned some post-processors, but I have helped some post-processors do less of it and spend more time out in the field. Um, And for anybody who'd be interested in that, they could sure reach out to me and uh, look up what I'm doing. And I could certainly kind of help them a little more old school, a little blend of techniques, if you will, maybe. Uh, I certainly don't expect everybody to be just hardcore like me. 100% 100% in the camera. That's, to be quite honest, is crazy in this day and age. And <laughs> yeah, right, right. Mo- mo- most guys will tell you I'm crazy or I'm stupid or I'm an idiot, but I have been making a living at it for 18 years, so I can't knock that it it, it helps me. I uh, one, one of the ways with seminars, it really helps me. You know, everybody's doing tours out there and, and a lot of the tours, you're going you're gonna to go out for great locations. You're going to do some out in the field work, but then you're going to go do some classroom post-processing. Um, my, my lessons, we do it all right out in the field. There is no post-processing part of my lessons. And I do have people that they don't want to learn Photoshop and they don't want to learn any post-processing techniques. Those are my kind of students. Yeah, right. And, you know, last year I, in total in, in longer classes and local classes, I put out 32 offerings and they all sold out. Wow, so there, cool. there is a bunch of people out here there that are for me, um, that want to learn that more old school style. And I would say though, for most professionals going down my path would be a crazy thought <laughs> because you've got a, you've got a, you know, you're, you're up against guys who are post-processing very, very, very well. And, sure, sure. and it's, and it's hard to beat when, when they've got their techniques so dead on, right on. Right, right, right. Um, the one thing I will say, though, inspirational wise, don't be afraid of color. There's been a little full circle turn in post-processing to actually take color out of photographs. Um, and I think that came from when post-processing first came around, everybody was accused. You photoshopped that. Uh, well, yeah, if you did, so what? But you know what? Mother Nature puts color out there. And if you capture it, don't diminish it. Um uh, I, I'm kind of getting a little tired. It's my own personal preference of bland images starting to come out uh, because Mother Nature has color. And if you use good lighting, good technique, and the color's there, put it out there for the world to see. I like it. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it a lot. Absolutely. And, uh, 
good luck with all your endeavors. And by the way, I took some time to review your work. You have excellent work out there yourself. Oh, <laughs> thanks. I appreciate it. And I have a buddy in Colorado, and uh, I know some of the places you've been, and it's beautiful there, and you do an excellent job of capturing it. So well done. Thank you.